Welcome to our classroom. In this space, we talk about education, which is inclusive of, but not limited to, what happens in schools. Education is taking place whenever and wherever we are willing to learn. I am your host, Roberto Germán, and our classroom is officially in session. Welcome back to our classroom. Today, I have a special guest. This is a person that is near and dear to my heart and the heart of my family, a close friend. My people, her and her family, are individuals that we absolutely love and that we wish we got to spend more time with when we were living in Austin, Texas. They were arriving. Shortly after that, we were leaving, but we are still connected and we're grateful for that. Today, I have Tiffany Rose with me, a storyteller, a mother, a radical imaginer. She loves elephants and 90s reruns, as do I, and believes the key to life is to trust yourself, find your people, and believe in magic. And that justice, snacks, and falling in love with as many things as possible are of equal importance. You can find her at rosewithwords.com or on the apps at Rose with Words, mainly on Instagram though, folks. You can also find her in libraries, sniffing books, and taking long walks under the trees near water. Today, we have the author of Pack Light. Yes, yes, folks. If you don't know, you better get with the program. We have the author of Pack Light, Tiffany Rose. Welcome. Thank you. Oh, man. I think I want you to read my bio forever. That was beautiful. <laughs> listen, listen, Love I'm it. with it. Thank you. I'm, I'm with it. We'll just <laughs> put that as part of my job description here. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, it's good to see you. <laughs> good to see you. Good to hear your voice. I'm, I'm glad to have this opportunity to talk about your book. I've been digging in and I, I want to just get right into it because... There's, there's so much that I've been thinking about as I've been reading these poems and the prose and the, the untold stories. There's a lot that's surfacing for me in terms of my own curiosities, but just also thinking about life and different situations that impact our journey and impact our trajectory and, and the individuals that play a role in that positively and negatively as you've eloquently captured in your book as you told your story. So let's start with the title of your book. Your debut book, Pack Light, was inspired by what you stated are lyrics I've been quietly singing to myself for two decades. One day, all them bags gonna get in your way, so pack like Erica Badu. Bag lady. Yet, I'm, I've been reading the book. <laughs> I've been reading the book and I'm like, hold up. Hold up. Make, it, make the title make sense. Right. There's, there's nothing light about yeah. Well, there's very little light, obviously. There's some light moments, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of heavy moments. Yes. There's there's yes. a the content that you covered here. Woo! You you gotta be ready. You gotta be ready. People, folks gotta be ready to digest that. This ain't like I'm just gonna sit around and eat ice cream while reading this book. Like, nah, now nah, you gotta I, to do some debriefing. And, and so in thinking about your your title help me understand your thinking as it relates to titling titling your book and how it aligned with the heavy content. Yeah. How did the yeah, title I mean, Pack Light align with the heavy content that you put out there for the for the world to digest? I mean, you know, we in order to get to a lighter place, sometimes we need to unpack 
some heavy stuff. And that was the idea, you know, in the song, she's talking about these bags. I didn't want to call a bag lady, you know, <laughs> but it's this idea of like, um, what am I still carrying? You know, what do I need to put down? Um, what do I need to let go of in order to move forward in this lighter way? And um, once I do that, how much space am I creating for other possibilities or other stories? You know, um, this was like a, it was hard to name this book, you know, cause it didn't start with a book. Usually in my process, I start with a name, you know, and then I know what I'm doing. This was something different. It kind of, the content came before the title did. So, you know, in order to go back to these places and suss through all of these different stories, I had to transport myself, you know, in the beginning of the book, I say, I'm time traveling, so I'm okay, but I'm time traveling to another time where maybe I wasn't. And um, in order to time travel, I'm listening to music, I'm watching the 90s reruns, you know, I'm doing other things. And um, I was having a really hard time with this book. And I'm sitting there with all the pages one day, just pulling out, you know, what stays, what doesn't. And a uh, bag lady started playing. And it was like, once you open yourself up to the time travel, you can be transported anytime. So, you know, bag lady starts playing. And then all of a sudden I'm back in my car, leaving Lakeland up, going up to Tallahassee to college. And I can remember the feeling of like, you know how when you're in church and the preacher starts preaching and you're like, he's talking to me. He's talking to yes. me and only me. Like, yes. this is a message for me. Yes. And there. it was like that. Yes. And it's like, it was like that. I was sitting there like, oh my God, that's what I'm doing. Like, that's what this is. You know, it didn't really occur to me in that way until then. And as I'm listening, you know, I've been singing this song to myself for 20 years, <laughs> you know, like on a regular. I got my go tos, Erica, Lauren, and Mary J. And, I'm listening to the song time, but something about sitting there with all these pages and hearing it was like, wow, that's what I'm doing. She's telling me like, they, these bags have gotten in my way and I need to put them down. So that's what all of this is. So that was the idea. Like, I'm gonna call it pack light because I didn't want to call it bag lady. <laughs> no, that's, you know? that's good. That's good. That's, that's a good play on words. That's great context that that you're offering us. And the, the content of your book includes poems, prose, and untold stories. Can you read the one poem, prose, or untold story in your book that you feel would serve as the best way to introduce yourself to an audience unfamiliar with your work? And then share with us why you made that selection. Okay, okay, so I'll, I'll read it first that we're doing okay this one is called um show and tell it's on page 11 of the book my mama gave me a josephine baker poster for my birthday because i love me some her she's about the prettiest lady i've ever seen and a little odd too like me i can tell my mama smiles real wide when i'm excited but i think she's sad too maybe because me and miss baker look more like we some kin than me and her but that's not even all the way true. I got my mama hands and her smile. We even laugh the same. I see it sometimes, but most folks don't. Like that white lady who snatched my arm in Winn-Dixie thinking I was bothering the same body that made me. But mama set that lady straight real quick. And she always makes sure I see the me she can't be in brown skinned ladies on TV and album covers or my dance teacher. And the lady who hot combs my hair for Easter since we moved and now my aunties live a long drive away. So now I got my poster and my Flojo Barbie doll. And we listen to Sade and Tina Turner on Saturday morning. I dress up in mama's nightgowns and her worn out work heels and play pretend when I'm supposed to help clean up. And it makes me feel better about what that redheaded girl said on the bus. My mama said you, your mama and your daddy is an abomination. Maybe I should take my poster and doll to school, show and tell that nasty girl that nothing this beautiful could be anything other than holy. Mm, wow. 
Wow. Yeah, this this was one of the pieces I read that really it struck me. You did a great job throughout this book of showing us your mother, showing us the relationship with your mother, honoring your mother with your, with your words. And we we get to see some of her character here. Like the, the Win Dixie situation. First of all, like the <laughs> there's certain things here. You know, I, I used to live in Florida when I was younger. Now, now I live here. I'm in Tampa, but I used to live in Kissimmee. And there's certain things that are like, yeah, you, you know, you in Florida. <laughs> right. When when Dixie. When Dixie. <laughs> yeah, that's that giveaway. <laughs> um, so, you know, for me, somebody who lives here, who, who lived here when I was younger, I, I could really see it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I could really see the scene. And what you described that happened at Win Dixie, you know, unfortunately, these 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 are stories that you know, some folks are not unfamiliar with, right? Uh, folks who have a biracial experience, um, not not unfamiliar with having gone through something like that. Uh, infuriating, unfortunate, sad, though encouraged to see your mother's response in terms of setting the woman, because some people just need to be set straight. Some right. people need right. they need to be checked and check them at the door and check them quickly. Right. right. We're not playing that. Yeah. The the name drops. The name <laughs> the, the name drops, you know, like for, for those that appreciate music, appreciate pop culture, uh, appreciate these strong black women. Right, Josephine Baker, Flojo, Epic. Yes. She was everything to me. Oh Tina, my gosh. Tina Turner. Everything. Tina Turner, rest in peace. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they like just yo, oh man, this it, it really that was important to my mom. I think mm. that was important. She knew she was very aware early on. I'm I'm very fortunate, you know, not everybody has that experience. That is true. She was very aware, like, um, that she couldn't be certain things and that I needed to see certain things and I needed to see myself. I had a lot of questions. I've always been a question asker. Um, and I, you know, it was interesting because I always felt a sense of myself in my house, you know, in my house, I knew who I was. I knew what I looked like. You know, my melanin seems to want to leave me the older I get, but I was very much, you know, a brown skinned girl, you know, identified as a little black girl with a white mom, you know, and so I was very clear, you know, and I had access to my father's side of the family. Um, But outside of my house, there were a lot of questions and that was confusing for me because I was so clear um, in my house and my mom was very clear about my identity being mine, but also contributing to understanding that identity, you know, in a very clear fashion. Um, so, you know, to kind of like come outside of my house and get these questions or really like challenges <laughs> about who I was. And then, you know, that's a, that's a very true story, you know, being called an abomination, my family being called an abomination. That's something, you know, I don't know if that's just Southern Southern Baptist experience, but it's it was a real something. You know, they couldn't even get married in a church. Um, so, you know, that was that was um, confusing. I mean, it was really that's I I don't really love that word because there was such a clarity in my heart, mm-hmm. you know, but um, it made things complicated. You know, when someone's saying that to you and you, and you feel like you know for sure, because here you are, I idolized Josephine Baker, like idolized, you know? So how could anything, I look like her, she looks like me, look at who she is, Flojo. Flojo was like, you know, basically a God to me. I had a Barbie doll that just, <laughs> you know, nobody could touch. And so that was really confusing when this little redheaded girl whose name I still remember, 
um, <laughs> had this thing that she would say. It wasn't a one and only time that she said it, but you know, I knew enough about religion and the Bible to know what that meant, you know, um, and to know that that didn't feel true, but she seemed sure. So then it made me question some things. Wow. Yeah. And it's fascinating how, how people can, can take something in this case, take the Bible and, and interpret it for what they wanted to mean because they see you as the other because they're right. uncomfortable because they're confused i'm like right but you don't need to understand this you sh you know it'd be nice if you did but like it, right fine. you don't you don't need to understand this but what you're not going to do is is be out here insulting right us right what you're not going to do is out here taking the word of god to try to utilize that in a way that it's not supposed to be utilized, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, yep. many people do that. And so thankfully, oh, yeah. thankfully, your mother was savvy enough to keep you grounded in who you are and provide that clarity and keep you connected to your roots. And in reading the book, I could also see how your father's family even in his absence, how your father's family also played a role in in supporting, oh, yes. shaping, reinforcing your identity as a black woman. Oh, for sure. And my mother, my mother stayed close to my grandmother. And so my grandmother and my mother are like my people, you know, those are my like parents, you know, and um, and that was very important. You know, she maintained that relationship. They had a very beautiful relationship um, and still did until, you know, my grandmother passed this year. Uh, um, what a blessing. But yeah, that's, yes, yes, a big one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very clear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have these rifts and, and the families won't work together. Yes, yes. And there was plenty of rifts. <laughs> And my family, thankfully, I come from a family who, as hard as we fight, we loved it a little harder, you know? So um, as long as you can hang, <laughs> the love will be there. <laughs> well, now, if you don't mind, I want to read one of the many excerpts in the book that stirred my emotions. Mm -hmm. And that would be, now I lay me down to sleep. Okay. Speak up, girl. My God, say something. She's right here. He's at work all night. Hurry before the sun comes up and it's too late again. Hurry before you shrivel up and disappear again. Remember, predators will switch course to find their prey. A beast must feast, and your little brother is asleep in the next room. Uh, first of all, thank you for being vulnerable and sharing this experience with the world. Uh, you're strong, you're courageous, you're bold. Your story matters and it's impactful. Why was it important for you to share the abuse that you experienced and how did you find the strength to do so? Mm. Mm. I feel like um, <clears throat> when I think about the things that happened, I think of them as part of a larger story right? My story. And if I feel called as a storyteller and as a human to tell those stories, then that is part of it. You know, who I am right now that went into building that person. Um, so it's all part of the same story and part of my own sense of 
justice that I've been able to cultivate for myself is owning that story mm-hmm. and making it mine to tell however I want to tell. And um, kind of in doing that, I've shape-shifted some of this painful stuff into poetry. And if I can do that, then that means there's space for other people to do that. And if I can share my story and sort of dismantle some of the shame that gets kind of packed in around it and keeps us from ourselves and from connection and from you know our truth and other people's truths, then, you know, I hope, I hope that transmutes to other people and helps them sort of dismantle their own shame. Because when you can do that, when you can sort of get from under the shame that was never yours to carry in the first place, there's like endless possibility, you know, and I, I've, I've never considered myself a poet. I never, I thought I had processed, I thought I had done the things and it wasn't until I kind of was that first COVID lockdown that I was sort of challenged in a new way that I realized like, oh, oh, maybe I haven't. And then once I did start to unpack, there was all this beauty that I hadn't even accessed. And I don't know, that feels valuable to if all it means is that I talk about this painful thing that feels worth it, you know? Yeah, I'm deeply moved by not just this piece, but all the pieces that tell this story and the journey that you bring the reader on. Like it's so deeply authentic. It is so real and raw. And I think many people can relate to it. Right. And, and it's in one sense, it's unfortunate to even be able to say that. And then on the other sense, it's a blessing to be able to say that people can relate to you using writing as a tool to heal, you using poetry a, as a way to project your feelings out into the world, to tell your story, uh, to, to, Take control, right? To, to, it, it's empowering to be able to drive the narrative. Yes. Right? And it's, it's, your, it's, and it's your story to tell. And one of the things that I think connects me to your writing, especially this context that you've given, is my writing, the origins of me as a writer is connected to traumatic situations in my life. When I was in seventh grade, a friend of mine that was two years older than me was shot. He -hmm. survived, thankfully. The following year, a classmate of mine, we just finished seventh grade, classmate of mine drowned that summer. The following summer, Another friend of mine, classmate, teammate, basketball teammate, was murdered. Mm-hmm. The following year, now I'm in ninth grade, I go to boarding school, and this dude that was a senior and I played football with him and basketball and whatnot, when I was in boarding school for that one year, he died that spring on, on the lacrosse field, had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. I I had like so much going on in my life in terms of like serious loss and violence. I'm like, yo, I'm going to go crazy if I don't have an outlet. I'm going to either resort to violence or harm myself or fall into a depression or, you know, get hooked on drinking or smoking, whatever the case may be. But thankfully, thank God, writing became a tool for me to let out all the things that I was carrying inside. And I was carrying a lot, hence 
the need to pack light. Right, right. And imagine, you know, all of the, um, I just think about like all of the, at least for myself, you know, I'm thinking about your book and how I read about some of this in your book. And for me, there's so much creativity, creative energy. There's so many stories I want to tell, but they get bogged down by these painful stories that I'm sort of trying to stay away from, trying to write around, you know, because I don't want to be labeled one thing. I don't want to get pigeonholed as like, oh, she writes about, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. sad stuff or like, you know, whatever. Yeah. I want to be able to be funny or, you yes. know, I, I want to be adventurous. I want to do what I want to do. And I was so afraid to dive into this, but then realizing it was the very thing that had to be written through in order to access that stuff. Cause the other stuff wouldn't come not, not to its highest potential. And, and I think about like, even as you're describing, like, what if you hadn't written, you know, what if you hadn't had some sort of creative outlet through music or through writing to put that, how it would have burnt you up inside, you know? And I feel like for me that I'm so grateful for creativity. I'm so grateful for educators and coaches and friends and all the people who could see that I had something in me to give, mm-hmm. you know, something else that I could do or produce or make. Um, and so much of our art comes from that, you know, that like need to express and, you know, we're the, we're the history books in a lot of ways. We, we keep measure on what was happening. We keep these imprints of what was happening in humanity and remind people who we were throughout all of these historical events throughout history. And imagine if we couldn't access those things. Imagine if we couldn't uncover how much, how much we would all be deprived of you know, all this beautiful art, all these beautiful stories, you know, and I think about that, like how lucky I feel that it came out this way. And there was a lot of care that had to be taken. You know, I I definitely suggest if you're going to go mining painful stories, you know, revisiting old versions of yourself that you feel calling to you to have a care system in place, you know, because sometimes it can get a little murky, you know, but there's just so much beauty in finding a way to express and putting it out, you know, and I hope like that's something that comes from, and that's already been confirmed to me, which is beautiful. You know, my little bitty sales, my little book, you know, that's out in the world, it's already been reflected back, you know, people who are finding their own versions of the stories that they need to tell. And that just feels like that's it. That's what it is right there. I want more of that. Absolutely. And there's more happening than you probably realize because we don't don't get to see all the fruit of the labor, right? The book lands in folks' hands that perhaps we never meet, and yet it's having a significant impact in their lives. They might not even reach out to us and never let us know, but it's it's doing Mm -hmm. the work that some of it, some, some of the work that we intended it for it to do, and it's also doing work that we didn't necessarily intend for it to do. And so I, I commend you. I commend you for putting this out. This wow, so much there, right? Even when you talk about the the self-care. Because in the process of writing, we we don't even know how we're gonna react to the pieces that we're creating. I I, I have a there's a few pieces for me that come to mind when I wrote my book, when I wrote Blue and Tears, but definitely the two at the end of the book that I wrote about my father, one of them that I wrote bedside in the hospital room, you know, yeah. in the final moments, final, literally final minutes, final seconds of his life. You know, that was hard. I mean, I wrote it there, but then I had to edit it. And so going back and going through the editing process, mm-hmm. I'm just like, wow, like I, I don't even know I'm going to get through this because I can't. You know, I'm just tearing up thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or there's another one I, I wrote called Unexpected Tension about a relationship that I had with a mentor of mine and how that mm-hmm. fell apart and how showed me his real colors. 
And that hurt right. me, hurt me deeply. I love this guy. Mm -hmm. I love this guy. So I was in shock <laughs> when mm -hmm. things unfolded the way they did. Uh, and then having, unfortunately, it being connected to, you know, this, this sense of white saviorism, um, that was hard, you know, that, that was hard. Mm -hmm. It was a hard reality for me to confront that right. now that this person has revealed himself, I have to see him in the light that he's presenting himself to me, you know, yeah. Like I, yeah. I can't see you how I did before. Now, mm. now I see what's really going on. Then you mentioned the whole not wanting to be pigeonholed, which I think it's a, a great point, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. And that's some that's a tension I wrestle with also too, because a lot of the content that I cover is heavy content related to justice issues, ec equity issues, issues of race. I know a lot of people don't necessarily want to hear about that. <laughs> right. And I get it. Right. I'm like, yo, yep. do you think yep. I want to talk about this all the time? Do you right. think I want to be racially right. profiled? Do you think I like it when folks right. follow me when I go into the store? Do you think I, you know, do you think I appreciate having I can get into the law enforcement stuff? I'm gonna piss a lot of people right. off. <laughs> right. But I, I don't appreciate having those experiences. I don't appreciate people around me having those experiences. What I'm going to do is this is my life. This is really happening. Yep. I, I write about what I live. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. that's what I told somebody the other day. I was on a podcast. I'm like, she she was telling me, you know, how authentic the book felt. And what, I'm like, I write what I live. These are what not fables. Right. These are not fables. Right. These are real stories. So yeah, yes. it's going to make yes. you feel a particular way. You know, whether right. it really resonates with you or whether, you know, whatever, maybe you're mad about the topic that I'm addressing. Right. Because you think a vibe a particular way, you relate with a certain group. That's on you to deal with. I'm not here to manage your emotions. I'm here to tell my story. Yes. And yes. in doing so, I, I did find it important to try to bring some balance to it, which is why I included poems yes. like Lizards, uh, yes. Streams. There yes. was another yes. one. There was one like, I had somebody asked me like, yo, man, you put this line about like, you know, a fart or something. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> have you read my book, man? I'm like, I need a little right. break. I need it, you know. Yes. Like, you need to laugh as the reader, but I need to laugh as the writer, man. I can't just write yes. about heavy content all the time, and it wears on my 100%. spirit. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I Yeah, there was a lot of that. Like, um, I kept asking myself, because, you know, like, I, I think I said it where, you know, this wasn't necessarily a book. It was just me working through some stuff, you know, and I did approach that writing process. Like, I'm going to go back in time. You know, little tip is calling to me. I'm going to answer. I'm going to sit with her. I'm going to bear witness and um, hear what she has to say because she didn't say a lot of stuff. I know that. Mm. And um, and like going back to those younger versions, you know, there's a lot there. There's a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of different feelings. And so some of this stuff, it's interesting because I I can read it and, you know, that's my you know quincy florida version of myself that's like five or six or whatever and thinking about what it is outside of this little town and you know all the things but like it lets me know that i've always been multifaceted in a way you know there's always been a little more to me than maybe was presented and so that was also part of what needed to be worked through is that i get to be all the things and i've always wanted to be able to be all the things so that was healing in a lot of ways and i feel like that's another way that i hope people receive this you know is that they can see you know here's this girl who liked these things and did these things and played in this way and you know had this very country upbringing you know and then went into this other thing that she's done and then having these experiences and you know I get messages from people who I went to school with who are like, 
in disbelief. You know, they're like, I had no idea. One message just said, so these things happen to you? Wow. Where? Like that, you know what I mean? Because it was, here I was doing all the things, vice president of my class, cheerleader, you know, track star, all the things. And I had this whole other interior world, which was also true. You know, all the things were true at once. And I feel like there isn't a lot of space for us, especially us, to do that. You know, it's like you look a certain way, so you must be a certain thing. And I look a certain way, so I must be a certain thing. And it turns out I was never one thing. You know, I've always been a wide, open, expansive being. And I feel so blessed by that. And this was like my way of going back and honoring that. So in the pain, you know, in the in the same pages that you can write about your father passing and those last moments, you can also have these moments of levity and comedy, you know, recalling other moments. And that's because that's who you are. That's all of that is who you are. And that's, I really wanted to honor all of me like all the different versions and get that into one little collection, you know, just skimming the surface. <laughs> you did the thing. You mentioned the word healing. And right now you mentioned the word collection, which makes me think about the end of the book. And I appreciate the fact mm -hmm. that at the end of the book, you provided survivor support and mental health resources. Is there anything particular that stood out about these organizations that you have listed at the end of the book? Um, yes, a lot of them are um, organizations for survivors of sexual assault and um, child abuse incest. Uh, others are if you've ever had suicidal ideations, others are like other mental health resources. Um, and this idea, you know, because a question I constantly was asking, like, is this of service? Is this of service? That's why the book is the size it is. It was about three times this size when I finished writing. <laughs> but a lot of that was for me. <laughs> and this was like, this is the story that could be of service. You know, I wanted it to just not be like re-traumatizing. I wanted it to be of service in some way. And so still just considering that it could still be difficult and create some pain points reading through it i wanted to make sure that people had somewhere to turn if they didn't already and um and i had seen other authors do this oh my gosh it's escaping me but i had no idea what it was like to put together a book because you know i self-published <laughs> so i did a lot of like studying but you can't read the books because then it'll get in your head. So you got to stick to your own book. But then I'm like looking at the books like, oh, how did she place that? How did she do this? And um, oh, Lori Hulse Anderson. She was one of the people that I knew had written a book that had a lot of sensitive content. You know, she wrote a book called Shout. That's a beautiful book. It's being banned everywhere, of course, but it's a beautiful book. Wow. And it's her own survivor story. And at the end of her book she lists resources and i just thought that's a great idea i'm gonna i'm gonna do that you know um and these are things that i use like rain i called that hotline many times as a teenager and that was the one that was really um the one that i knew of when i was younger and it's still around and um just being able to even put that in the book and honor it in a certain way. Like this organization was there for me. It can be there for you. Um, so that just felt like a must, you know, and it's just like another way to acknowledge the caretaking, you know, that these stories require still, you know. Thank you. Thank you for doing that, for the thoughtfulness behind it and providing these resources because you're right. One, it's good for folks to be able to readily identify resources that deal specifically in in the areas in which we're discussing. And also, you know, as folks are working through your book, it it may bring up some stuff, right? They may be triggered. Mm -hmm. So right. thank you, thank you for doing that. Right. How would you encourage an educator to utilize your book? I've been thinking about this. 
I've been thinking about this in a lot of ways because you know my one of my ultimate goals is I want this book in libraries and um because I just want anybody to be able to find it yes and obviously you know I have a a soft spot for education as my kids are making their way through school um I think the thing I go to two different things so on one side school for me was my safe space because home was not for so many years so when I think about just the role of the educator and the role of the school itself, I think about how it can be a safe space for someone else with a similar story and where they need to be able to come and see themselves reflected and know their stories are safe and feel like they can live authentically within those walls or in that space with those people. So in that way, I think about you know, the way an educator might receive this book and think of a student, you know, think of someone that might be going through something similar and see that reflected in what role they could play in holding their story. So that's sort of a more abstract way that I think about it. And then, um, and then on the other side, it's that same thing of like, I want, I want young people to understand that, you know, their story is their own. They own their story. They have the right to do with their story what they want, you know, mm. and that in that power and in that owning of their story, they might get to the place that I eventually got a little faster, you know, or um, might feel held in a way where if they have access to my book or, you know, gently, there might be some <laughs> some curriculum needs built in around <laughs> some of the content. But if they had access to some of these stories that could be of service to them, they understand that one, they're not alone. Mm -hmm. And that there is power in having control over your own story because there's so much as a young person when you're in these school age years that you don't feel like you have control over, you know, but your story is yours and it always has been and it always will be. And I just, I think that could be the main, like the big takeaway from this book, you know, with care. <laughs> yes, definitely with care. Yeah. <laughs> might want to make sure the counselors are ready. <laughs> Right, right. Just fold down a couple of pages too, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about some other stuff. Yeah, we'll do some ex <laughs> excerpts. Yes. Uh, we'll get to the fun part of the interview. If you had an opportunity to have lunch with any author, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, this list is so long. <laughs> oh, this list is so long. Oh my gosh. Okay. Even though it is a long list, I just want to acknowledge that so nobody's feelings are hurt in my spirit list that I have. But <laughs> um, the top of the list is my angel. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, just, yes. I have so many questions. And I've also, you know, I know why the cage bird sings. That was, that was my, I mean... That was on my ninth on, on my ninth grade reading list. For summer reading, I know why the oh. cage bird sings was on that list. It's hey, see, classic. I did not, I, I did not have it, and and it was never a part of my school oh, reading no. ever. Out. And, out. Right, I know, and it was, and but it was, um, but I knew it existed, but I also knew there was something about it that like people seemed to not want us to have access to it, which made me very curious, especially in Florida, and, you know, right. Exactly. So then I remember um, picking that book up and kind of getting to the part where I could start to sense what was about to happen and her own childhood assault mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and like closing the book and not coming back for years, years, because wow. it was just being like, no, 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 no. And um, it wasn't, it was actually Oprah who was also on the list. Oprah, who talked about her own story and how she found the connection 
to Maya Angelou through their shared stories. And then me making that connection of like, these powerful women have a story like mine. Like, there's another side of this. There's a whole other side that I can access to this. And that was a lifesaver for me. So, you know, eventually I made my way back to that book and, you know, and then just devoured everything I could of my answer because she blew my mind with how she was able to be so um, joyful and take up so much space. And it just felt like she was magic. You know, she had figured out magic somehow because, mm-hmm. you know, she also was in a little backwoods town with not a lot of opportunity and mm-hmm. had some family dynamics that were complicated and painful and all the things. And here we have all this in common. And she's like, look at what she did. Look at how she's right. living her life. And look at how many different versions of herself she's been able to be and that's my thing like so I just I have so many questions for her when she when she passed I was devastated because there was in my mind I'm like I'm gonna find her I'm gonna get I'm gonna go take her class I don't know what I'm gonna do but I'm gonna like she's gonna be my friend and um so now I have her a picture of her on my altar and um her poem you know, one of her favorite poems, Still I Rise, on her on my altar that I feel connected to her. Like I can access her in a way that I couldn't before. Um, Still I Rise is one of so my we have favorite our talks. poems also. Mm-hmm. My Angelo had, you had this grace about her. Mm. And I had the opportunity to listen to her speak live when I was a ninth grader in boarding school and Newport, Rhode Island. Yeah, oh. I, I know, I know. I'm rubbing it in. Oh. Sorry, oh. sorry, but I'm I'm sharing this now oh, because so good. I want to share this before you get on the own network and blow up and forget about all the small people. <laughs> it's gonna happen. You're gonna be on the own network. Thank baby. you for that. Let's just go ahead and let that sit out in the universe. Thank nah, you. It, it's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm like, yo, I I, I got to get the first interview in. <laughs> and you did. This is the first time I talked about the book. I'm, yes. I'm I'm ecstatic about that. I like to be the first. I like to <laughs> set, set the tone. I'm sure Oprah will do a great interview with you <laughs> whenever that happens. But she won't but be the first. She won't be the first. <laughs> she ain't gonna have that on her credits. Yes, yes, yes. So what's a message of encouragement? that you want to offer our listeners? Mm. I say this in the book at the end, um, and it's kind of like my my last little tidbit, which is if you feel the call of some younger version, some other version that needed a voice or needed to be heard or seen or witnessed or even just, you know, sit for a spell and be with, answer, just answer. Make sure you have your care systems in place, but answer because, you know, you might find poetry. Mm. You might be beauty on the other end and I bet you it will be. Absolutely. Can you remind folks where it is that they can purchase your book and where it is that they can follow you? Yes, you can find me at Rose with Words. By the way, that's also on my Angela Nod, Rose with Words. Um, Rosewithwords.com and at Rose with Words on Instagram. The book is on Amazon and um, Bookshop right now. Other places, as soon as I can push some buttons and get it there. <laughs> but yeah, that's where hey, folks, I'm get only copy. ever really on Instagram. <laughs> Thank get you for this. Copy. Roberto. Yeah, yeah. No, this it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure beautiful. to have you here. It's been a blessing. I love your book. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's, it's wow. It's definitely moving me 
uh, in a way that I wasn't expecting. I don't know what I was expecting, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Um, I'm glad I didn't set any expectations. Yeah. It's it's definitely moving in a profound way. And we need a lot of people to get their copy, read mm -hmm. the book, utilize the resources if necessary, share these stories. We need folks to engage in, in these conversations, uh, particularly the, the challenging conversations, um, situations that you described that happened to you. There's plenty of folks that have experienced that and we need to be able to continue this dialogue in an authentic and healthy way, you know, ready with the care supports, as you mentioned, um, but let's not, let's not shy away from, you know, some of the, the difficulties that we encounter in life. Uh, we want to be able to move forward just as you have, and we want to be able to take out all the baggage so that we can backlight. Tiffany, that's right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Much success to you on your journey as author, writer, storyteller. We are looking forward to much, much more. So once you're ready for the next book, you know where to find it. For sure. Thank you so much. Thank you for the gentle care and the love. I appreciate you. As always, your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated. Be sure to subscribe, rate the show, and write a review. Finally, for resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.